Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew. I'm a good friend, Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Man, I am, I'm, I'm living my life here. We got a ranch Rita. <laughs> you might have heard uh, my audible sound that I made on my first sip. And this isn't like a breaking of the, the beer fast audible sound. That was like, these are just so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Buy them. If you see them, they're available at Kroger, Fred Meyer. They are delightful. (laughs) Lone river ranch Rita. It's a, uh, I wouldn't call it a seltzer. It's a margarita seltzer. That's exactly what it is. I think it's too many sugars to be. No, it's the margarita part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not watery. It's not seltzery like a seltzer. It's got more flavor. It's got a bigger flavor. Than it's a, a canned margarita, but made with not booze. A canned carbonated margarita. It's like 6% or something. What is yeah, the, these are, what are they? They have to have it on the can. I think that's 6% alcohol by volume. Yeah. yeah. So it'll get you drunk. Uh, and you'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, these are good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing really well. We're here to talk about watches, uh, which is one of my favorite times of the week. Don't rush us into this. We are going to um, talk about some other thing that you want to talk about, apparently. Mm-hmm. Andrew, how are you? Well, we're, we're only at two minutes in. You can't mm-hmm. be like, and we're finally here. No, no, no. We... <laughs> We deserve some catch-up time. Yeah, sure. Catch, catch, catch me up, man. I have nothing to catch you up on. <laughs> I was hoping that you had some interesting <laughs> stuff. Uh, I'm good. I am unexpectedly off all of this week. Mm. Because you got fired. Well, I wouldn't say that. Okay. <laughs> you wouldn't uh, say that because it's not true or because it feels bad. I wouldn't say that because it's not true. So here's okay. the deal. The, I This week, I experienced one of the first times that past Andrew really looked out for future Andrew. At my job, we change schedule. We bid because we're in a union. We bid for our upcoming year schedule a year in advance. Or not a year in advance, but a few weeks in advance. Sure. We, our bids open usually around Thanksgiving, they close, you know, a couple weeks after that, they're announced, you know, second, third week of December, third, fourth week of December is when they open up your opportunity to put in for vacation for the following year. That's when they say, Hey, schedules are set. You may now start putting in for your upcoming year vacations. Last week I was at work and I was like, I was in a little bit of a dark place last week, just kind of grumpy. And I was trying to be more grumpy. Like, you know how when you get into one of those moods where just like everything fucking sucks and you look for things to make it suck more. So what I did was I looked at the schedule for Christmas Eve just to see how shitty my life was going to be. So your life is shittier the fewer people that are working. Right. And I looked at the schedule on Christmas Eve and I was like, that's odd. I'm not on that schedule. Where are you? <laughs> and I looked at the previous day. Not there. 
looked at the previous day, not there. Looked at the previous day, not there. And I was like, that's really bad that you are not scheduled to work in two weeks. It's really bad. Why aren't you scheduled to work? And I like went inside. I found a supervisor and I was like, hey, bro, can you look at my schedule? Because I can only see like day by day and they can look at, you know, master plan. Pulled up my schedule and he's like, you're on vacation. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, you put it in. And it was approved on January or on December 16th of 21. <laughs> and I was like, get the fuck out of here. What? So apparently last year when the vacation schedule opened up, I had the foresight to put in for this week of vacation. <laughs> Turns out I'm on vacation this week. It's like ordering something on AliExpress. It, Fuck yeah. It takes so long to get there that when it gets there, you're like, amazing. This is <laughs> I forgot so, all about this, this thing. Is so good. So I'm on vacation this week, unexpectedly. And I am so excited. You just can't hide it. I can't. My dad came down today because I've told him that I'm on vacation this week, which means that I will be in Portland doing the family thing on Christmas. I don't know if he chose to not hear it if he didn't care or if he doesn't remember but he came down today to celebrate my youngest birthday which was last week but also brought all of the christmas presents that he got for the kids i was like i can leave them in the car i was like yeah we're gonna see you next week leave them in the car i'm gonna see you on sunday <laughs> you know this this isn't new so my dad was here today, so it was a little bit of a weird day, right? When you add like an extra person into what is already a kind of a weird environment. So we kept our littlest home from daycare. It's winter break for second grader. So it was just it's a little bit of a big day. But other than that, it just didn't make me bad. When I say other than that, it makes me think like in spite of that, not in spite of that. I'm really good. Had a big day today and I'm on vacation. And you're on vacation. Surprise That's, vacation. You're which like doesn't happen at the start of surprise vacation. No, tomorrow starts surprise vacation. But it's, <coughs> it's, it's today. No, tomorrow I would usually work. And okay, okay. This is normal weekend. Sure. This is a normal okay. Tuesday. Yeah. Leading into not a nap day, which is a little bit of a bummer because I love nap day. I found myself today about the middle of the day, like I could use some sleep. About time for a nap. Yeah. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. But I'm good. And I'm on vacation. It's my first Christmas off since 2018. That's, That's a long, long time. time. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that when I realized that I'd put in for it off. And I was like, oh, wow. You should do this more often. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's a that's a nice surprise. And so now you put in for vacation for next year. I did do that. Did you um, request Christmas week off again? I did because so the side of the week that I work, Wednesday to Saturday, and that's not changing in your new schedule. Nope, not changing. I'm just senior enough to be able to guarantee that. Has Christmas off for the next couple years. So. Usually Christmas Eve is like a Friday. And then Christmas Day is Saturday. 
not usually it rotates it moves about in the week but for the next couple of years i have i will have christmas eve and christmas day off which will be really great just as a, a matter of when it falls on the calendar yep just as a matter of it's like a sunday or a monday or a tuesday Aren't unions great? You know, I was not a real pro-union type until I became a union man. And now that I am, I'm fucking all for it. (laughs) (laughs) There's some weird, you know, hanks to it. And there's some things that like chat my ass. But when my workplace fucks me and I go to my union and they're like, yeah, they fucked you. And then my workplace has to pay me money because of what they did to me. I really like that. (laughs) Like, wait a second. You weren't supposed to work those hours or like some weird, like out of, out of like union seniority thing happens. Like, Hey, that guy shouldn't have had the day off. I should have had the day off and he had it off. They're like, how does 10 hours of vacation sound to you? (laughs) Like, yep. Sounds really good. Yep. Sweet. Here's your 10 hours of vacation. And I worked, so I got paid for those 10 hours, and then I got an additional 10 hours. I'm like, well, that worked out well. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with the union. I'm still, like, like at, at like my core and in principle, really not pro-union. But my personal self, like, my, my your, like... Your day-to-day like guilty my, pleasure. My indulgent self really, <laughs> really likes unions and and encourages any of those who are not in a union to find a position where you can be unionized. Don't fucking unionize. Don't do that. Just join a union. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make more of the problem. Join the problem. <laughs> join in the fun. Exactly. But don't don't make it worse. Yeah. Please, Starbucks, don't unionize. Yeah, we, uh, you, you know, I, I have employees. I, I'm a boss. I hope they unionize against you. <laughs> I am a boss. And today at... I'll be dropping flyers off. Today at... I, I have um, one, two, three, four, five, I guess six employees. And um, two, five of those... No, that's, that's not true. Four of those, four of the full-time employees are salaried. And one of them is hourly. Sucks to be him and her. Her and today it would be. You're such a massage. And today <laughs> I couldn't even say that with a straight. At five oh five, five oh five, I was stuffing envelopes with the hourly employee, and uh, re- realized that I had a salaried employee in the building, and I I did the math. I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll pay the half hour of overtime, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why wasn't there another partner in there with you while you're stuffing envelopes? Somebody who's like, I was like, the decision. Well, because the partners were all the partners are all gone, right? I'm the only partner in the room, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, but there was this moment where I was like, yeah, this is the decision making that gets people in trouble because I'm billing two hundred and you know whatever, almost three hundred dollars per hour to <laughs> stuff envelopes. To stuff envelopes, and, and meanwhile, I'm worried about, you know, paying this person fifteen extra dollars to stay well, late. Not, it's more than that, but yeah, no, I take your point. Yeah, well, for like a half hour. Yeah, anyway, the delta is is not huge. I hope I'm she like, unionizes. I hope she becomes a one just, one lady union just by herself. Yeah, yeah. union Lou. 
Andrew watches. We're going to do, do it. it. It's been 12 minutes. It has been. This is our, our, you know. We've gotten oddly political. We're going to round up some watches. We have been talking unions. That's unusual for us. We're going we're gonna to round up some watches today. No unions, no politics, just watches. Just watches. And we're going to talk about some new watches. We're going to talk about some watch opinions. This is the end of the year. So and some not new watches. Yeah. A, a few things happen at the end of the year. And not, here's the thing. We, we were busy this week, which is why we're doing a roundup. Right. We didn't have time to do some research hmm. to do the dive in, but we're frequently reading about thinking about seeing watch media. That's why we're doing a roundup. There's not many new releases coming into the year. Yeah, that's right. The, busy. the releases slow down. The releases slow down. The cool shit slows down. This is kind of like a a reset and reflect period. And you get a lot of garbage media too. And and garbage does you not. Get, no, you get a lot of trash media. Our favorite collabs of 2022. It, yeah, we all know what they were. Nobody's surprised by them. And, and not to disparage it. And that article might be interesting. And, you know, uh, Warren and Ron does a thing where, and Hodinky does a similar thing, where they'll go around the office and they'll talk to these person. You, you know, you get to meet these people, right? You meet them through their feelings about watches. And that's fun, right? That can be fun, too. Um, it, it's, it's, for all intents and purposes, what we do here, right? We don't mm-hmm. know anything about watches. We don't provide any, anything of value. Anything of value. Um, but, but we have opinions and, and we assume the people who listen to us are vaguely interested in those opinions. So because you keep tuning in, but you get a lot of that, you're getting a lot of that this time of year. So there will be some of that because some of that stuff is interesting and some, there's some insights, but, but there are a few watches. Mm-hmm. There are a few watches. So can we start with mine? Cause I think mine is the, is, is one of the biggest new releases of the year. Okay. <laughs> I could not tell you what we're, I, I don't know based on your list what we're talking about. I would like to finally take a moment to address the release of the Brick Watch Co. watches. Oh. <laughs> okay. And I, and I don't think this release deserves a lot of time. I think the reception to the release deserves a little bit of time. Can can we can we can we stop just for a second and and talk about what this watch is? Because the the folks that are at home, some of them have taste, some of them have jobs. Yeah, so they may not know what this watch is. So here is what the Brick Watch Company is. The Brick Brick Watches has been founded by a fella named Dave Portnoy, who is fat Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> a.k.a. <laughs> Hold on, just look at pictures because it's such an apt description. Okay. Who is also the owner of Barstool Sports Media. Founder of Barstool Sports, yeah. I don't, uh, not, he's, no, you're right. He's no longer the owner. He is the founder and CEO of Barstool Sports Media, you're unfamiliar with barstool sports follow him on instagram 
for and just you know scroll through the last 10 posts you'll be fully aware of and familiar with the brand it's a bro media outlet sure sure and i don't mean and, bro and, and like homie i mean bro in like fat bro or frat bro not fat but also although he is fat mark zuckerberg i mean frat bro i'm talking like uh not old dominion what's the southern dominion it's that like southeast united states fraternity like legacy fraternity shit yeah sure like if your dad was sae at georgia tech so too shall you be for it is written yeah you know i i frankly i don't know a ton about dave portnoy i know i don't know much about dave i know much about the people who have become totally enveloped by the barstool sports mantra right it's bro culture sure it's this strange thing fair to say that a lot of barstool sports viewers listeners readers are also heavily invested in the joe rogan podcast and their fraternity (laughs) correct correct so this is a this is a watch brand made by Dave Portnoy, reviewer of pizzas, yep. sitter of bar stools, and sp- and lover of tits. Yeah, well, I, I that's me too. You're an ass man. I know that about you, <laughs> and that's an important distinction to make. <laughs> so Dave Portnoy starts a watch company. He does, and and he starts it. You know, there's an Instagram video on the brick Instagram. And I think his first video is actually really worth a watch because he, he, worth a view. Because he frames his position and I think he, he frames it really eloquently. And then, in kind of, in a, for me as a watch person, in a really hopeful way, right? On first watch, you see this guy who is self made, he has made a bucket load of money through sweat and tears and that's fucking awesome yeah legitimately yeah worked his ass off made a bucket load of money he made a bucket load of money and then he's like you know what a dude as rich as me needs to buy a rolex and this is his story right this is this is a you know not word for word but this is his idea that he that he shares i need to buy a rolex and he goes to buy a rolex and he gets in he picks out his watch He's like, I don't think I should spend $12,000 on a Rolex just because it says Rolex. I think I can maybe do this just as good for less money. Mm. And then he goes and spends some, and this is where, this is where truth and What's the word I want? Um, myth. A pure storytelling. Truth and story. Poetic license. Divulge. Spends the next two years coming up with a watch that should it bear the Rolex logo would be worth $12,000. Mm-hmm. But it doth not bear the Rolex logo. <laughs> And for because it does not bear said logo, it's only two thousand dollars. 
$2,400, I think, to be more precise. Yeah, I think that's right. Now, with your $2,400 purchase, you're also making a substantial donation to his nonprofit. I think that 20% of his proceeds. Yeah, I think 24, 20% of proceeds go toward his uh, foundation that provides, I don't know if it's VC or if it's just capital. I, I don't know exactly how his foundation works. I haven't put a lot of work into it. Because frankly, I don't care. His story is that 20% of his proceeds go toward back into small businesses. So whether it be VC, whether it be grant, whether it be just straight gift giving, it exists. And it, it a company like this has to be very above board because I can imagine the lawsuits are bountiful and plentiful. And if he is not actually giving that money, it becomes problematic. So I imagine it is probably a legitimate donation to ward that end. And the 20% of $2,500, that's a lot. It's, it's, it's not insignificant when you're talking yeah, about margins that are typically razor thin and at that price point, razor thin if you're trying to break into the low luxury market. But what we what we found out, what we found out subsequently is that his margins are, his margins are <laughs> much greater. not razor thin. Yeah, so what we got, and this is why I say there was a, a significant break from truth and the myth um what we got was not in fact a uh $12,000 watch bearing a logo other than Rolex what we got was um entry level bolova in yeah. design language in finishing in parts you, we, you know so these are <clears throat> these watches are are made by a company called the American Watch Company mm-hmm. which is a big company. They make a lot of watches. They do it. Yeah. Um, the, there's been a lot of information about how much these watches cost to make and yada, yada, yada. Some of the stuff will say they're all quartz watches. They, they have a Salita SW 200 version. So but they also have quartz, but quartz is not necessarily cheap, right? When you no. look at spring drive, when you look at some of the higher accuracy quartz, quartz alone is not enough to defile a brand. I think that's an important defense to make for brick. And it's the only one I will make. Bottom line, these these watches are not probably based on the manufacturer and based on the things going on inside them. They're probably technically not terrible watches. Uh, I, I also don't think they're probably altogether very nice watches. I think what we're looking at are four to eight hundred dollar micro brand yeah. watches, probably hey. in terms of quality and if you add if we if we hold the 250 dollars or 500 dollars because at 20 percent 2400 dollars we'll say 2500 dollars to be fair we're looking at 1900 bucks yep tip of the like north end and that's holding a significant portion of the cost toward this foundation donation which is still a fuck ton of money. It's a bucket load of money for a brand that just kind of looks like shit. Yeah. He but- he has self-identified as not a watch guy. He should have paid watch people to design this watch because these are 
unpleasant. These are fossil watches with a different movement and a decent cause. But they have made an enormous splash in the market because Dave Portnoy showing up and being like, hey, I'm a watch guy, and this is watch costs $2,400, though I'm not a watch guy. has rubbed a lot of people in a really interestingly wrong way. I think... My dogs just got let out. A blink. Oh, no, someone rang my doorbell. I just left my house. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> this fella breaking into the watch industry is a really interesting thing. And I think it's more... It's a greater commentary on what, what watches have become, what the industry at large has become. And it, I think we're going to see a lot more of this. And I'm really interested to see what it does. I think uh, the watch What do you industry, mean what it does? This is not going to... What do you mean what it does? What it does. What this thing that, that Fat Mark Zuckerberg is trying to do does. Why do you think it will do anything? It shows how ripe this industry is for introductions, for people to show up on the scene with something. It, it, I think it made the micro brand industry bigger. It, it opened up a door that I think previously wasn't there. We have fat Mark Zuckerberg who sees this as a ripe market. For, I think for new watches. And I think we're going to see more of this with this huge capital. I think we're going to see in, uh, an influx in the next year of new brands with virtually unlimited capital. I, I don't think showing so. up. And I, I think it's going to be, I think, I, think it's, I think it's there. I think, I think he's done a thing. I think he's opened a door where we're going to see people with a ton of money show up to be able to fund brands entirely, to be able to sit on five, 7,000 pieces of inventory. And I think, I, th I think what that does is it, it creates a market for partnership for these people to see, Hey, my brand kind of fucking sucks. This brand doesn't suck so much. How do I buy into this? How do we, like, I, I think we're going to see a thing in the next few years of huge investors finding these small brands who are doing well, brands like Notice. I think I think Foster is even a good example of a really small brand that a, that a big-ass fucking shark is going to show up with some capital and be like, hey, I can, I can buy into this. I can get down with your party. My thing sucked. Your thing doesn't. Let's fund your thing and make it bigger. I think there's something here, and I think his attempt to to enter this market is a it is kind of a is is the first step in that. Uh, my takeaways are all almost exactly the opposite. I think we've got a super well developed watch industry. We like, do like over well developed, like developed to the point where there's very few inroads. We've got which is why I think we're gonna maximum see these saturation huge show up. Maximum saturation in terms of products, 
um, brands, types of watches. We've got, and then there's this one dude with a whole bunch of money who went and bought a Dayglow ski suit and showed up as if nobody's ever seen this before. And what a- and what we found is that the market is completely closed, not open, and he's. I don't know if he's, I mean, theoretically, he's sold a handful of watches. You're supporting my position. What if Dave Portnoy shows up to Traska headquarters and is like, hey, I'd like to give you $5 million to increase your inventory so you can sit on it. Yeah, well, I And increase your R&D and like do shit that's cool. I want to be, you know, a minority partner. That that is happening. It's, It's not happening here. It's happening in Switzerland. Um, but that's happening a little bit here. What if that too. happens in the American watch market where all these fucking assholes who have a ton of money that they want to spend and make money off of? What if Dave Portnoy shows up to Foster? What if he comes and knocks on your door tomorrow mm-hmm. and says, I mean, and you're maybe not a great example just because of your unique position, but what if he shows up to to Laurier tomorrow and is like, hey, I've got, I've got $5 million. I want to increase your inventory. I want to increase your production. I want to increase your research. I want to make this brand bigger and better and make more money. And I'd like to be a 49% partner. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we, so, or so even to, even you, to like, yeah, you, you're, you're raising some interesting points, uh, because that, that is, that is a thing that can happen. In fact, I, we, we recently, well, I say we, Christian recently met with someone who's a marketing guy who was working with a watch company, um, to do essentially like, high high volume sales um with like advanced marketing techniques and so those things can happen and they do happen i i i am a little bit reluctant to think that it's an amazing opportunity i'll tell you why the margins are razor thin in watches the consumers are hyper hyper educated can can concede and and so in order so so for instance which is why brick is going to fail one of the one of the one of the things that we've talked to people about is essentially doing like a cost per acquisition cpa marketing sales so they set up a a, a secondary or a third party sales platform and they push the watches um and and then they get per acquisition a certain amount of money and it, it's usually set right so it might be you know for for a watch you may be looking at like a hundred bucks hundred and you know 125 bucks well your margins are that thin is like that's my margin yeah that's, right that's it yeah. that's that's my margin you, you know we, we've then you're got, just selling watches you're not making money <laughs> that's right we've got a little bit more room than that so when but you don't not, have you don't have breathing room to be able to fund the next watch that's right. So, you know, if we're talking about what maybe, you know, the the big brands, the brands, the big micro brands, I should say, are selling maybe 25 to 4,000, the, the biggest micro brands are selling 2,500, 3,000 watches a year, right? So... So are Richard Meal though. If you, well, but they have, <laughs> but they have huge amounts and of huge profits. costs. Huge costs, but but margins are set, right? So if if you are Jacques Hedreau selling one watch for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, if it cost eighty thousand dollars to make that, 
okay, well, you got margins there, right? You only need to sell 10 watches, right? And you're making a million bucks, right? So the it, it's all relative. But in this game, for a $500 watch, a $600 watch, if you start paying people, all of a sudden there's no money left These until you're selling huge volume. So you, you might be right. There might be some space there. But I'm reluctant to think that it's a it's a market that an educated investor is going to really be itching. I think these guys are going to be finding brands like Halios. There's just not enough people buying. There's not enough people buying $800 watches in the world to warrant like when they, when they start a heavy investment. I don't know. But that's, that's the thing though. It's because there aren't enough people buying it. And when you bring this kind of ass to bear, that becomes the thing. When when Dave Portnoy shows up and says, notices the watch that you buy, every motherfucker south of the Hamptons is buying two, three, five of those watches. And notice can supply that demand. Brick can supply the demand for every asshat south of New Jersey. They just have a shitty fucking product to supply them. I think it's a really interesting thing that he's done. I think he'll realize the error of his ways. Because he's not a dumb guy. He's made a bucket load of money. Because he's a grinder. Because he learns. He's dug in his heels a little bit. If you watch any subsequent Instagram videos, he's throwing a little bit of a tantrum. I think an interesting door is opened. I'm really fascinated to see what comes of it, if anything. I'm not saying something will. I'm saying he's he's opened an interesting door. With the brick release, there's been several articles published about (laughs) what you can do better than brick because brick did a quartz three-hander and a no they they did a quartz quartz dive diver and a and a self and an auto three-hander they are both boring they are also both unattractive there has been no lack of watch world response to what you can do for that price point that's better and it's the usual players like you get monta you get you know anyone right if you want to spend two thousand dollars if that's your your dollar value you want to get a nice watch Monta's kind of space. Yeah. Nothing's coming right off the top of my head that's in that $2,000 specifically. You know, there's a lot south of 200, like like 15 to to, to two that's there. But in that $2,000 range, Monta's your, your you, jam. You, and if you want, if you have a set dollar value, I want to spend $2,000 on my watch. Go to Monta. You know, it's interesting because Monta's first release, when they, I, I think it was a Sky Quest. I don't remember. Monta's 
first release, uh, when they very first came on the scene, was sold, was intended to be sold sort of by conventional retail mm-hmm. streams. They had it priced high. I can't remember exactly what, but I think it was, it was like over 25. three grand. Was it? I thought it was like 25, 27. That might be right. Cause that was, and then they dropped it to 1700 or something like that. Yeah. So, when they went direct to consumer. And, yeah. and I think that it was not, it wasn't the same, right? Because those guys knew watches. They were watch guys. They were already in the space, right? With but their Everest. There was some similar, there was some similar decision-making, right? There was like, they came in, they didn't understand the consumer and they, they made a big move. It was a bold move. And we've talked about this on the show before. They, they, they course corrected, I think. In, in Quickly a, and well. Elegantly. That's right. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, you, you live and you learn, right? You've got to, you've got They to, showed up at a weird time too, right? Yeah. Five years earlier, I think they show up and they're really successful. I think, I think they land well in that space. But the problem is with when they came to market, they showed up in the direct to consumer timeline where you could get, you know, not exactly comparable, but, you know, in the ballpark for 800 bucks. Well, and there were some huge differences, right? Monta was making from the get go a really excellent, well thought out watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, People weren't saying, well, this is a shit box. They were saying, this is interesting, but geez, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brick has not done that, right? No, they're they're, they're the, charging a lot. In their this is the result of a lot box. of hubris, uh, bad decision making, failure to understand your product, failure <laughs> to understand your market. That's the one. Um, and, and yeah, you, you know, ultimately I think this is going to be, I can't remember what he said. He, he spent 8 million bucks, right. He on did products, say that, which I, I think I figured it out. And it's like 10,000 watches, right? Well, you hope you hope 10,000 watches. Cause otherwise he's getting taken for a fucking ride. Th- that's right. I, I went back and did the math and kind of like tried to estimate, estimate what I thought the watches could sell, for and you know i figured it's something like maybe 10 grand 10,000 pieces right which is uh you, you know ambitious it's a baller move man. Right? you know um but but you figure if he's a going concern he might sell 1500 watches a year but he's not a going concern and exactly. he and he can't sell these things. He's not going to be able to sell these he's things. He's not going to sell 500 a year. My family members haven't bought a Foster because they cost too much. And they cost a fifth of what these things cost, right? Uh, these barstool sports f- folks, some of them are going to buy that. And and but it's probably like 1% maybe less of the people who really like him are going to be able to buy this watch because it's, it's out, you know, he didn't understand the market and he also overestimated him. Yeah. He overestimated himself and his cult of personality. Yeah. He didn't get good advice. Uh, so are, are you good? I'm good. We spent way too much time talking about brick, way and Dave too Portnoy, much time. AKA fat Mark Zuckerberg. If you uh, don't understand what I'm saying, do some Googling because I think that's one of the most, the first time I saw him, I was like, wow, that guy got fat. Turns out it wasn't the guy that I thought it was. So I don't like that watch. 
the brick. I don't like that watch. I don't like either of them. Can we talk about a watch I do like? Though? I would like to talk about something positive because I don't particularly like that we have just had our first largely negative episode. This is our <laughs> first one. I'm also going to talk about a watch that you and I are not going to buy. I'm also going to talk about a watch that probably, I I would estimate to say that no one who listens to this podcast is going to buy one of these. I think that's really, just just purely statistically speaking, that's probably true. We're and, not going to talk about your titanium G-Shock. We're just not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so there's a company called Jacques Drow. Ooh, okay. There's a company called Jacques Drow that makes very expensive, what I would call art timepieces. I can, I accept that assessment. So some people call it hoot. Folks, I think there's a lot of overlap of people that listen to our podcast and people that listen to Two Broke Watch Snobs. I was introduced to Jacques Edro via Two Broke Watch Snobs. <laughs> I, I was introduced to Jacques Edro by Two Broke Watch Snobs. Um, and I had an opportunity at watch time, not this year, but last year to yeah, there was no handle to handle some Jacques Edro. So uh, it, it's it's really hard to understand these watches, the this manufacturer of watches, until you get hands on these things and you see, you know, there's just a lot going on here, right? I these think that's are, one of the problems with haute horology is that you don't. It doesn't make sense in photos. And then you put it on your wrist and you're like, oh, yeah. there it is. No, I see it. So so these things, I mean, they're just, the things we talk about don't matter, but they're also, the, the things we consider in watches don't matter here, right? Like nobody's talking about the brushing, uh, the quality of the brushing on a jacket or, or, or whatever, right? Because it's it's impeccable. You just know it's going to be impeccable. So, um, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> last week, Jackie Dro announced a, or or they announced this this last year, but they they've sort of given us a, a sneak peek on the first of twenty three piece unique watches that re uh, retrace the Rolling Stones album history. So they're twenty three watches celebrating twenty three piece unique watches. So not not twenty three models. 23 watches, each of them piece unique, each of them celebrating a different Rolling Stones album. And like all Jack Edro watches, these things move. The dials move. The, you know, so, so they announced the first of these, which is, I believe, oh gosh, what album? Um... Oh, geez. So I think this is Rock and Roll Never Dies uh, is what they're calling this. Yep. Uh, and, and look, what this is going to be a link in the show notes. We will not be able to do this justice with our words. It has a seven-piece drum set sculpture on the <laughs> dial. Seven pieces standing. Two symbols, a fucking hi-hat, a snare. Two Ooh. amps. Three amps, excuse me. Yeah, it has an, an entire collage of the stage equipment that rotates and and this is accurate to the to the instruments that these fellows actually play it rotates around the time piecing mechan timekeeping mechanism on the dial 
Um, these are really, really neat. The detail on the bass drum is it is nothing short of miraculous. You can see the clamps. Mm-hmm. The clamps that tighten drum skins. Yeah. That's the skin, right? Yes. The 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 clamps that tighten the skin on the bass drum. The cymbals are at the proper angle. Like this is it this w- is looking at a photograph of what the stage looks like without these guys on stage. This is and it's clearly Ronnie Wood Strat. It's clearly Charlie Watts drums. Uh oh. clearly Keith Richards five string. I mean, so so this th- is like museum quality art. Yes. On a watch that you will never be able to buy. And maybe, just maybe, if you win the lottery, you could see one in real life. Yeah. So they're calling it the Jack Hedro Rolling Stones Automaton. Super fucking um, boring dial. W- <laughs> We're not gonna. So that's a, it's a rose gold, all black dial. Like fuck that. The yeah. the the artistry that goes into the eighty percent of the visible dial is worth every penny. Two hundred seventy thousand bones. That's cheap. Two hundred seventy thousand bones. Rose gold. Uh, I might remortgage my house. <laughs> you couldn't afford it. <laughs> I remortgage my house. Yeah, I mean, you still couldn't get there. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. If I took a second mortgage, I could. I could. I mean, not at an auction. It's going to go for more than two hundred seventy thousand dollars. What? Do you, what do you got? I already went on my tear about um, brick. Read an interesting article on Time and Tide. Scratch me if you can. How to wear your luxury watch. And minimize wear and tear. And they have some interesting suggestions. Wear it under your wrist. On the inside. Like a fucking operator. Because I'm cool. (laughs) Get a carry case. So you can carry it in your pocket. Here's one I do agree with. A microfiber cloth. So I've been wearing my Santos a lot. Mm-hmm. It's basically the only watch I wear when I'm not working. It's a fingerprint magnet. Mm-hmm. I lick it a lot, and I wipe it on my T-shirt a lot. Microfiber cloth w- would probably be better. <laughs> yeah. It would get less dirty because I would lick it less. Wipe on my T-shirt less as my day progresses, my t-shirt gets more dirty. So I, I can kind of get down with a microfiber cloth in your wallet. It doesn't take up much space. For those of us who aren't front pocket wallet wearing folks, a microfiber cloth takes up way less space than the 70,000 receipts that you carry in your trifold wallet in your back pocket. I might incorporate this into my daily life. Old-fashioned caution. I don't like living my life like my right arm is. I, I don't like living like an invalid. Which, wearing a Santos a lot, it's super light watch. Yeah. I forget that I'm wearing it a lot. It's super light. It's super thin. I've banged it into things. 
No consequences yet. Scratch it first. I know this is a, this is my what favorite of with. all the advice. And they show a picture of a they show a picture of a royal oak that's yep. just been fucking through the just garbage disposal. Worn. And this is the one I'm down with. This like we have a whole episode about how to wear your tool watch, and it's fucking wear it. I'm I'm all about like do care for your things. If you treat your things like shit, you're doing it wrong. If you care for your things, you're going to use them, mm-hmm. right? Nobody has a pristine hammer hanging on their tool bench. But if you care for your hammer, it's not also sitting under the pile of shop rags. Use your fucking shit. Wear your things. It's your watch. You love it. You bought it for a reason. I'm not going to wear my Santos to work. It's not because I don't love my Santos. It's not even because it doesn't have loom. It's because I don't want the things that I do at work to be introduced to this watch. Mm -hmm. Tools have a purpose. One inch shaft, number four Phillips, is very different than a jeweler's Phillips. Oh, Phillips had screwdrivers. They serve very different purposes. The the other things ahead of this recommendation, I was like, this is a stupid article. Mm. And then when I got to scratch it first, I was like, okay, redemption. Wear your shit. But also do things that make sense. You should not wear your 1963 scuba diving. That, you just shouldn't. You also shouldn't wear your speedy scuba diving. You can wear it to space. (laughs) But you shouldn't wear a scuba diving. Understand that tools have limitations. The Gerber multi-tool that the army issues you was one of my best bosses greatest pet peeves and it was his greatest pet peeve because though it was a great tool it does not replace all other tools if he ever saw one of my mechanics working on a truck using that fucking tool That fella had a weird afternoon. I had a bad fucking day. He would correct the issue in a not so pleasant way. And I would have a bad fucking day. Because that's not the right tool for the job. And in the army, you are responsible for everything your team does and fails to do super unfair and it sucks a lot but it makes stupid little things mean something to you following that through tools have a purpose this faux John Mayer watch you're wearing has all the purposes 
Excuse me, excuse me, Andrew. This is a limited edition. One of a kind. One of a kind. Watch Clicker 6900. Yep. Um, That has limitations. It's okay to have limitations. It's also okay to push the envelope. This watch has no limitations. Within reason. No, if you wore that under a tuxedo, I'd probably kick you in the shin. You would deserve it. Can but we? that was the whole point of the article was like, wear your shit, but also be reasonable. Can we walk talk about, oftentimes when we do this, we will send each other three or four of the same articles. This week we did one. We had one article that overlapped. Mm-hmm. And that was, speaking of John Mayer, Hodinkee announced the third of the three John Mayer 6900 collaborations. Is this a collaboration? These are the Hodinkee John Mayer G-Shock watches. Uh, They started off with the model 6900, which was a tribute to, uh, I'm not going to remember the reference, but a black, uh, a sort of 1980s gray, yellow, and blue keyboard Mm-hmm. And then after that, they introduced the 6900, the white Something. one, the yeah. white one. And now they've done a light blue one, a powder blue one, which is the third of three. They're they're calling this the PT1. Is it because they don't own the rights to Tiffany? <laughs> Perhaps. Um, and this is coloring from the PT1 keyboard. That was apparently John Mayer's very first keyboard. Um, And I don't think I've been particularly turned on by any of these. Uh, I'm pretty aroused by this. Which is not to say I don't like any of them. I like them all, but they've not made me feel like I needed to flock to them. However, something about the set of these, um, you, you know... I think people have a lot of gut gut check or gut reactions. You know, I, I frankly think John Mayer is a fantastic musician. He plays a lot of really interesting music. He plays with a lot of really interesting bands. Um, he plays with the Grateful Dead, which I just think is one of the coolest fucking things. That's I, I think about bucket list shit that, that he is amongst watch people like one of the most intensely nerdy watch people I can think of, you know, there's a few others, Eric wind, um, you Mm -hmm. you know, there there are, there are people, but here's this guy, um, that just loves watches. He's got more resources than most of us, uh, to, to spend on these watches, but his passion is so great. And he gets an opportunity to work with a company like Hodinkee. And he's like, you know what? Let's make a hundred and eighty dollar G-Shock. In fact, let's make a set of three hundred and eighty dollar G-Shocks. Put my name on them, and sell. You know, there's something about the way that they've approached this project, which is wholly different than a lot of their other influenced collaborations. This is a guy who, if he existed in the watch space, we would all love. Because of how nerdy he is, because of how much he loves watches, but because he exists generally outside of the watch space, 
there's some like pump the brakes, bro. What are you doing? It's an interesting feeling about these religious. What was that word? Religious. <laughs> Is that how you say it? <laughs> okay. Fair. Carry on. I was done. Religious. I honestly, I was like, what? What word was that? Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I, I mean, it, it's, I, I, I really, you know, and the reason they're cool is because John Mayer is cool. No, they're cool because they're, they're well colored G-Shocks. Sure, 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 sure. But there's eight trillion G-Shocks, right? Uh, it, it, this is it's not powder blues. Sure. <laughs> it's not like these are the only, but they are neat it, it, because of what they are because of John Mayer, because of Hodinkee. And I think they've done a really good job with them and seeing the three together on top of Hodinkee's post this week. Uh, I was like, you know, this is one of my favorite Hodinkee collaborations. I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate what they've done here. I think this is fun. I think it's affordable. I th- really think it's hard to criticize these meaningfully. It's also reasonable. It's one of the most reasonable colorways that exists within the G-Shock world. Yeah. Right? It's not NASA orange. Right? It's not tactical camouflage. It's light blue. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good blue. It's a good blue. It's like a it's it's pretty okay. No blue will ever be better than pretty okay. Right? We're talking. And in the collaboration world, we see so much outlandish shit. We see people trying to, like, innovate. In the John Mayer collection, we have black, white, blue. This is a dude who understands the confines of watch design and what is reasonable and what's palatable and what is what works you know it, it's a, it's a bit of a unique blue it's it's powder blue it's light it's not navy that was the risk they took they went lighter on the blue and it's still a really reasonable blue This is a really interesting collaboration because of who they collaborated with, because the person who understands the space within the collaboration and did multiple iterations and did a reasonable thing, which I think is maybe the most impressive thing was that these are all super reasonable and would otherwise be nondescript G-Shock releases. These could fall into their 10,000 SKUs and not stand out. Which makes them super fucking cool. Yeah. He introduced a line into G-Shock and not a, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the decision to go with the 6900 too. So It's a, because it's a, like it, it doesn't make sense. But it makes perfect sense. It's perfectly baller while simultaneously being socks with like sportivas. Your your dad 
who wears like mid-calf white socks in Sportiva sandals with cargo shorts will wear this. And so too will Mr. Yao. Right. <laughs> right. That's that's it. Right. That's what makes this watch so cool. Is that it spans, it's totally limitless. It's the, Everyone can wear this watch. It's the New Balance 990. Yes. No one will be exactly cool wearing this watch. But cool people wearing this watch will be cooler for so doing it. One more collaboration. So last week, um, about a week and a half ago now, uh, well, let's say, let's go back about three weeks. Warner Wound started dropping hints of a Nevada, Nevada Grenchen collaboration. And I think this has been one of the more hyped Worn and Wound releases that I've seen, which made me think they were excited about it in a way that they've not been excited about every release about. So I was kind of watching this thing and tracking it. Um, I, I specifically did not reach out to people who I knew would know what this is because I was kind of excited. I was like, I want to see it on drop day. Uh, when I saw the drop of this thing, we're so cool. I was initially a little <sighs> underwhelmed. And I think n- not because of the watch. I don't know. I just saw it and I was like, no, oh, that's what it is. And, and it took me actually digging into this thing and kind of figuring out what it was to really appreciate what was going on here. So it, it instead of being one watch, it's actually two watches that were announced by Worn and Wound. Um, one of those is a hyper-exclusive, hyper-expensive Chronomaster Valju 72 What the fuck? Piece. How cool. 20 pieces. which is a lot of fucking money. They found 20 Valju 72, sort of like a Wells Bro, a Rich Reichbach type of thing. They found 20 Valju 72 movements and restored them. New old stock. With a warranty. They didn't just say, hey, this works now. That's right. But they're like, this works now and it will continue to do so. And the Valju 72 being one of the most famous chronograph movements of all time yeah. uh, used by everybody from Rolex and the Daytona to Hoyer. Um, it was the thing to use. And a car. 20 NOS. Omega used these at some point. Um, you, you know, this was a movement, right? Valjoux was the movement maker and this was the movement. Um, these, they, they found 20 of these, they fitted them in watches and these are extremely limited, very cool, pretty expensive. I think that that is a lot of money for what this is. Um, but I I don't think it's, it's insane, right? If you want to get one of these, that's what you're going to pay. However, if if you want to get a value 72 in anything else, you're paying more than this. Probably. Even if it doesn't work. That's right. But with that. With that, they did something else. They made a second, a second 
version of this, a little bit different. They're calling this the Dado Master, which is <laughs> fit with a SII VK64, a Seiko Mecha Quartz movement. These, on uh, unlike the Chronomaster, these are $450. They were available for a, for a pre-order window. So mm-hmm. I think they were available for three days. And it's gone. You Any, missed the window if you didn't. Anybody who wanted one could get one. Which is um, a nice thing about using a VK64. You have unlimited availability. That That's right. That's right. Um, I think these are pretty fucking cool, man. Um, these The colorways are fantastic. Very uh, heavily saturated. The Dado Master is a, you know, fixed bezel chronograph. And the Chrono Master is a turning bezel chronograph, mm-hmm. a dive style bezel chronograph. Um, gosh, man, these are pretty stinking cool. I really like the, the colors, this, um, yeah, it, it, it makes me feel good things, positive things, <laughs> lots of colors, lots of fun details. Uh, these feel a lot like Omega racing chronographs. Um, supposedly yeah. these are racing <clears throat> chronograph dials from Nevada's, you know, Nevada being a zombie brand risk came back to life in 2020. Um, they feel super seventies, eighties, totally doxa military, like certainly kinda, that era, kind of right. interesting color combinations while still being super palatable. We got a black and a teal. The teal is, Closer to like, yeah. I think the black is actually like a jade. I think it's a very dark green. I was gonna say that the green is closer to a jade. It just needs just a touch more saturation, like matte dials. Great color combinations that are really vibrant without being, you know, doxa orange, mm-hmm. and just c- cool. Yeah, these are these are pretty neat. Dome sapphires on these things, so you get cool color refraction. These are neat. I I wish I had seven thousand dollars to buy the. You could sell your Santos. Could. <laughs> Andrew, anything else you want to talk about? I probably won't sell my Santos for a Valjoux seventy two with a warranty. <laughs> um, I think that's a wise decision. Yeah. No, I'm a lot of things. Well, we're not out of things, but we are a little long in the tooth at this point. We're we're out of time. I'm certainly not out of things. There's several more things that I intended to talk about that um you know, we didn't get to because I was busy talking about fat Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm sorry this became a you know, primarily brick watches episode, but I, I felt like it deserved to be addressed. You wanted kinda, to talk about it. It's a splash in the watch world. And, and I wanted to opine on said splash. Yeah. I talked about it a few weeks ago on wrist cheese radio. I think it was a little bit more contemporaneous to the thing happening. Okay. So I was a little bit more excited. Well, we're not about hot takes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we I was, I was about hot takes that day. Um, Andrew, other things what do you got so i uh we have i have an a a group of friends from college and it began 
five dudes who all lived in a house together, which we called Graceland. And we lived in this house, and there were people who moved it. It was a six-bedroom house with three bathrooms. On a hill, great view. No. No no great view. Am I thinking of the other hill. house? You know, you've been to this house. There's no good view. So this house is designed by a fella who is a contractor, and he said, hey, I have kids who are about to go to college. I own this piece of property. I'm going to build a house on it so they don't have to live with me while they're in college. And then I'll make money on it because they and their friends will all pay me rent. So it's six bedrooms, three bathrooms, a kitchen, and a living room. There's no living space. The living space is about the size of what would be an owner's suite of a bedroom and then a kitchen. And then it's just, the house is all bedrooms. That's it. Lived in this house. Five of us who lived there for many years. We had some roommates come and go. Like we would bring a friend in. They would live there for a year and they'd move out. You know, that and the other. But the five of us, we became really good friends. We remain friends to this day. We all got married. All of our wives are friends. So there's this friend group of now 10 people. It's more than that. It's more like 15 or 20 at well, this point. 12 people. One, two, well, no, so 14 people. So two couples got added in at you know, various times. And it's like a billion kids. Well, yeah, no, it was fine until we started having kids. Everyone has two kids or more. Some people have five kids. We have an annual friends miss. Friends Christmas, for those of you unfamiliar with mashups. Friendsmas is a everyone brings a thing. And this year, I decided to go super French cooking. I made terrine. I made riettes. I made pâté. And then I did a kind of Italian charcuterie board with, you know, the the salamis and sausages. And what I want to talk about is pork sausage terrine. Sounds a little bit intimidating because it's foreign. It is effectively... If you take one of any one of your like bread pans that exists under your stove to make like banana bread in, you line that bitch with bacon, you fill it with sausage, you put some sauteed vegetables atop of it, you close the bacon slices up, you throw it in the oven and you bake it low and slow becomes this like magical pork fatty delicious chunk of sausage so i used a recipe from food.com so i've never made it before i've eaten it a lot of times in various 
iterations and, you know, from different kitchens. This was killer. I'm going to give you a couple slices to take home so you can vouch or not vouch for it next week. <laughs> it's just not smoked, slow cooked sausage and bacon together. So if you low, so you, you low and slow it at like 325 degrees bacon wrapped sausage with a little bit of a vegetable top. And there's a lot of ways to make this right. The traditional French way is organ meat and ground meat, <clears throat> wrap it in a chicken skin, stuff it with some pistachios and other bullshit. That's really good. But if you're going to make it at home and you have like an hour and a half and you want to have like a kind of next level appetizer out, this is it right? Everyone has bacon and sausage at their house in their freezer at all times. If you don't, you should go grocery shopping because those are just normal acquisitions. The outcome is this super decadent, really fatty pork, delicious slice of meat that is just as good at room temperature as it is hot or cold. I'm going to link it in the show notes. I've like, I've made pate before I've made riettes before and they're both really good. I've never made terrine before. Terrine is a, is a French cooking vessel that's super long and narrow and is what terrine was traditionally made in, which is why terrine became the name for this dish, which yeah. is a, like a, it's almost like a sausage. Yeah, like a meatloaf. Yeah. It's really, really close to a meatloaf. I think that's maybe a, the best description of it. But when you, but you low and slow it, so there's no crispy edges. Everything is just this really tender, really juicy, really fatty, because you make it, all the fat renders out, and then you chill it, and you press it. So it becomes, so, so when you chill it, all the fat reabsorbs back into the meat and you have to scrape a little meat jelly and fat off of the outsides of it prior to service. But when you eat it, it's just like this magical fatty, delicious pork bun. And I'm for it. I'm going to link it. It's super easy. It sounds intimidating because it's French. French cooking is often needlessly difficult but if you're looking to like really throw down for Christmas and this is going to come out two days before Christmas, if you're thinking about something that you want to bring, that's just going to be like, that's some BDE right there. This is it. Yeah. This is the BDE pork sausage terrain. Cause it's also really easy. It's not organ meat. It's not, you don't have to do any grinding. It's just sausage, bacon, some sauteed vegetables, throw it in the oven, chill it. You got space in your fridge. You have those ingredients. Do some French cooking. Do it. Do it. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. I routinely... Masturbate. And, and by, <laughs> by routinely, I mean... As an uh, addiction. A couple times a year, I will try to <laughs> find a new iOS game. Because, okay. you know, I've always oh, got this. Yeah. You have the, the, you, you have the subscription. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, and, and I've always got a, my phone on me and I like playing games. Uh, I don't play games like I did when I was younger, but I still. 
it was a, a funny bone strike. Uh, I still oh. pretty routinely play games. And so I, what I'll do is I'll look up the, oh, like Google the best iPhone games or, or whatever. And I'll go through the list. Does anything seem interesting? And I was, I, I had a moment uh, this last week and I thought, you know, I need a new iPhone game, something to just kill the time. There's nothing I'm playing right now that I'm really into. <clears throat> and I went through a couple lists and I just, it was the same stuff I've always seen and just nothing was really calling out to me. However, I came across this game on a few lists and it's a game I've seen a hundred times and it just did not look interesting to me. That's the key. You find it as like number five on two or three lists. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. That's right. So, but I've seen this game. It's not a new game. I think it's been out for five years. Um, but I saw it on a new list and they were like, you know, with its continuing updates um, and patches and, you know, this game's just been really well maintained and it's still as good today as when it came out. Are you talking about Pokemon and Go? And it's not Pokemon Go, although I did have flirt with Pokemon Go uh, for a period of time back in 2015, I think. Uh, no, so this game is called Stardew Valley. And if you've ever played games in the Harvest Moon series, this is, I think, what you'd call a farming simulator. That's um, kind of your jam. Yeah, well, some games that you that are active while you're there, but will passively continue to grow. It, it doesn't require your constant attention. This isn't passive. There, there's no passive progress here, so it's all oh, really? it's all real time, uh, or it's all it's all in game time. It's not real time. Um, and so I I was like, well, it's five bucks. I'll take a flyer on it. So I downloaded this thing, and I have been now for I think five days squeezing in. 10 to 15 minute uh, sessions and well, 45 minutes. You can build an hour. So <laughs> what I have found is uh, that this game is just a blast. So I, I think farming simulator, when I read those words, I was like, eh, what is that? I think what this thing actually is, is an incredibly modern incredibly multifaceted game that feels looks plays like a 1990s you know early 90s top-down 2d rpg that's what it looks like um and and in some ways it is that although it's incredibly complex there's a lot going on um there's a ton of different game modes. There's a ton of different mechanics. They're all pretty good. Um, a lot of like timing based sequencing in, you know, the mechanics for the mini games are, but there's like a cave exploration. I mean, it's got all these things that you know and love. You can meet someone special. Y yeah. There is also a relationship building aspect to this, which is funny. Um, but here I am. You know, five days in, I've got a budding farm. It's fall, so I'm harvesting cranberries. Are you courting Jenny, too? Uh, no, I'm courting, gosh, what is her name? Hard to say. Oh, my gosh. Emily. That's how many there are? Emily. Yeah, there are a lot. You there dog. <laughs> Emily is the person's name. So, but, but that is, but it's, it's actually in the gameplay. You've got to do this, right? In like, <laughs> you gotta. There's one aspect oh, of this. Choice. I mean, it's all silly, right? This is 1990s sort of RPG stuff. What so, year is it set in? Uh, oh, gosh. I don't know. Oh, that's actually kind of intriguing. The At some point, though, the mayor loses shorts. 
He asks you to find them. You what? find them in the rancher's bedroom. But in oh. order to get to, into her bedroom, you've got to form a relationship with her. You've got to bring her gifts. How did Todd feel about finding his nemesis shorts in his bedroom? <laughs> so there is a lot going on. It's been really fun. I, <laughs> if you're looking for an iOS game, I recommend it. I'm down to spend five. This I've enjoyed $5 worth of this conversation about the game. That's right. Harvest Moon, if, if, it's, if, you're, if you're one of those people, you download games, I think this has really been fun. Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Not Harvest Moon. Stardew Valley. We've done it. We did it. Sorry we talked about bricks so much. You know, Andrew Zuckerberg got me fired up. Hey, listen, sometimes, man, you just got to talk about the thing you need to talk about. Yeah. Like I said, I had already, I had already talked about this. So... I feel like I already had a chance to get it out of my system. I didn't get it off my chest yet. It's off my chest. I'm yeah. not, I won't talk about brick watches ever again. Yeah, you you needed to you needed to go back in. You needed to revisit the topic. Right? It's been visited. I'll probably still watch his Instagram videos of him fucking tantruming, but Yeah, it's been interesting. It's it's been interesting to watch it. You, you know, it's been interesting to watch it especially in the context of releasing foster really right at the same time kind of contempt you guys are contemporaries you should message him and be like hey mark right you should maybe chill and also maybe less pizza reviews (laughs) andrew would you be okay if i took a moment to thank our sponsors can i thank foster watches we sure can okay hey this episode of 40 and 20 the watch clicker podcast is brought to you by Escapement Media. If you are starting a new watch brand or have an existing brand, Escapement Media has your photography and video needs covered. Once you see the photos, you won't be able to escape. Check Escapement Media out at escapementmedia.com. And listen, a big thank you to Foster Watches. Great effing watches. Check out the 11 Atmos Skin Diver now on sale at fosterwatches.com. And listen, they're selling out quick. They're not all available anymore. If you want an 11 Atmos, you need to get in there and get in right now. Fosterwatches.com. And by Franco Frontier Photography, offering images and videos of real watches on real adventures. Your favorite divers from 100 feet below to 14,000 feet up. Now accepting underwater bookings for March of 2023 at affrontography.com links to all those available in the show notes and and seriously guys if you want to advertise on 40 and 20 we'll take your money go ahead and send us an email at hello at watchclicker.com to talk about options and hey hey thanks you folks for joining us for another episode of 40 and 20 the watch clicker podcast why don't you do us a favor check us out at watchclicker dot com which is where we post weekly articles reviews etc etc and every episode of this podcast you can also check us out on instagram at watch clicker at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker that's where we post updates what's going on as well as you know sexy pictures of watches Mm -hmm. 
If you want to support what we're doing here, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we that's how we keep the wheels with tread on them, folks. Hosting fees, hardware, flats here. software, all of this stuff costs money. And we really appreciate all of our patrons, all the support you give us. And we'd appreciate you, too, if you wanted to, to support us. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.